Your attention, please. <laughs> the Walt Disney World Railroad, now boarding for a scenic trip around the Magic Kingdom. Board. So, Brad, the construction, refurbishment, whatever on the People Mover has been extended through Christmas uh, in the Magic Kingdom. Apparently, it takes a little longer than they thought to replace all the induction motors on the People Mover. So, I guess through, they said December 26th now, uh, the People Mover will be closed for refurbishment. Yeah, so I guess this is a, this has got to be a real downer to all those people who are trying to snatch up the, you know, I, I've been seeing the news stories about um, all of the, what, spots for passes, whatever the, whatever it's called now, to get into the Magic Kingdom on Christmas Day. I wonder if there's suddenly going to be a lot of availability because I know all those people were planning on doing the People Mover, right? <laughs> that's that's the whole reason you go, is to do the People Mover. So, um, yeah, got to got to be a lot of disappointment there. This is the kind of story that, uh, okay, so it's kind of like the uh, Fantasmic still not having water in it, right? Like yeah, on the well, one hand, at, at, at least they're providing updates on the People Mover. This is true. This is true. They're they're not just saying yeah. It's though I you know I don't know. So this is a, a blog Mickey article, and, and they're referencing an internal refurbishment schedule. So I'm sure there's an internal thing that explains exactly what the plans are for Fantasmic too. Maybe we just don't have access to those. Well, but, yeah, no one no one seems to have found it yet, at least. Right. This is one of those situations where, on the one hand, I'm kind of like you know it's it's all good, but. On the other hand, I'm thinking, why does this keep, you know, why why is it getting pushed out like this? What did they find? And it's kind of, so it's kind of like when you have a car accident, right? You, you, you have a car accident in your nice new vehicle and you're, you know, uh, assuming, assuming no one is hurt or anything, you know, but, but you just have a fender bender, right? You're just going to go and get it fixed and insurance is going to pay for it, right? But if you have like a 10 or 15 year old car, you have a fender bender and you kind of wonder, is this going to be it for my car? What else did that just break? Well, not only what else did that just break, but the the point at which, you know, your car is no longer worth it to to be fixed is a lot is a lot quicker, you know, because it's all based on the value of it and everything. Yeah. Yeah. And when it's older, that value is much lower. So suddenly, you know, somebody put a little dent in your back in your back bumper and your car just got totaled or something like that. And so that's the, that's the thing is I'm like, what is the people movers total? You know, because you can have I I don't know. Let's, let's just say for instance, like you had an attraction that, you know, for a year you couldn't get it to run right. And you would keep just pouring money and time into that attraction and making people, I don't know, like have a, have a mad run to try to get on that attraction, you know, try to get a spot on that attraction and the attraction could just break down in the middle of the day. And you would just keep trying to make that attraction work because it's a new attraction, right? I don't know that the people mover has that, that, uh, that amount of, uh, flexibility to it, if you will. I feel like it, I feel like there's definitely a point where the people mover, they're just like, mm, nope, too much trouble. Rocket rods it is or something. I mean, if they are indeed replacing all of the linear induction motors on there, then they're putting a lot of money into it. There's a lot of those little motors on on the people mover. But I, I don't have, I don't know that we've ever actually, like that was you and I just kind of 
spitballing at what we thought could possibly be the reason that they were, you know, that they were doing what they're what they're going to do on a refurb based on the amount of time. Like, ultimately, we don't we don't know for sure what it is. Um, I hope that it's something like that. And I hope that it's something that ensures the people mover can continue eating people for for a long time. Um, But, yeah, again, ultimately, that that was what the cast members that work on the people mover oh uh, yeah that's right on. that's right okay okay so we did we did have something that so was at least yeah mm, there's like like whatever however much verification a cast member can provide yeah i knew some i knew some cast members that uh, it's it's always so hard right because there are some people who have really good information and share really good information and then there are other people who just want to feel important and so they're like oh yes we're gonna be doing this and having having no clue so again hopefully that's hopefully that's what's going on and maybe the the wiring is just a little bit worse off or something and everything will still happen uh you know it's definitely not doom and gloom at this point but slightly concerned at this point or you know what (laughs) maybe maybe there's actually nothing more wrong with it they're just moving more people from this this actually and and as much i was going to facetiously say something about rise but um this could actually have something to do with you know like meeting deadlines for tron or something you know like we we ultimately don't know what you know what's causing it and it and it may actually have nothing to do with with this attraction, it could have something to do with some other attraction or just, you know, any of a million other things. So, the yeah, I guess the moral of the story, again, is uh, start looking for those Christmas Day passes here as this as this news disseminates because everybody's going to be dropping them when they can't ride the people mover. <laughs> so, uh, something else Disney announced this week, um, they are basically going to focus primarily on streaming and kind of pull back on cinema or uh, theatrical and like tv uh production so it sounds what it sounds like is uh, disney plus is doing really well and obviously theatrical is not and so they are reorganizing their uh entertainment division to basically be a disney plus division at least for the time being yeah this this whole thing is so first of all i don't know enough about like the the organization of big business and the organization of media to speak with any you know real uh <laughs> knowledge of the situation i guess um but yeah it's it seems kind of weird to say like it it's one thing to say hey we we are going to focus on streaming because streaming is what is effective right now because um, as long as we're all allergic to the outside, yeah, streaming is going to be super effective compared to the theaters that aren't open. Uh, but, you know, you could also be looking at a lot of pent up. Uh, you could also be looking at a lot of pent up desire for theaters when you can actually get back into theaters reliably as well. You know, and, and once, uh, you know, at, at some point in the future, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to want to go to theaters. So I don't. I don't know exactly unless the only other thing that I can think is maybe Mulan was way more successful than we thought it was. And ultimately like we should know something at the next, uh, what I think there's a, 
there's an earnings call or something in November, right? And I think there's a lot of expectation that we'll hear, we will hear information about Mulan during that earnings call. And maybe that will shed some light on, you know, why you would, why you would want to refocus because it doesn't sound so much like they are saying we are, we are getting out of these other markets and moving to uh, streaming as much as we are making streaming a first class citizen. You know, and we will we will just make content and then make a decision on where does it make the most sense to release it with streaming being a viable option for it instead of like streaming right now is the safety release valve for any content that wasn't expressly made for streaming in the first place. And it sounds more like now they're going to go, okay, given what this what this media is and what is available let's let's look at you know does it make sense to go to theaters does it make sense to go to tv nothing makes sense to go to tv anymore does it make sense to go to theaters or does it make sense to go to streaming and is that streaming going to be hulu or disney plus essentially i think my read on this is that this is you know obviously what most people what most companies are trying to do is focus on on demand kind of streaming type type stuff. Uh, I, I feel like the only reason Disney made this announcement is because they're doing something in, you know, as a public company, if they make changes in certain areas of staffing and the organization, they have to announce it. Uh, and I, what, what my feeling on this is, is there, you know, this totally makes sense to, to focus on streaming they own the product they own the service they own everything and the they're totally was that vertically integrated and they they own every step of the process and um it just feels like they're making a change like a particular change that they have to report because i mean this seems totally obvious of course they're going to start focusing on disney plus especially when they can't have movies in theaters yeah, obviously they're going to push Disney Plus for f- film releases, TV shows, all that stuff. So this feels like a, hey, we have to report this because we're a public company uh, type of thing. Well, yeah, and, and you and you reorg. And, and it's also, you know, I was I was reading the uh, the variety, you know, because everybody covered this news story. Um, and I was reading the variety story on it. And basically what they were saying is uh, from the from the Wall Street perspective, once you say, hey, we are primarily a streaming company now, right, which that, you know, not not Disney as a whole, but once once streaming makes up a bigger portion, you know, and is is a first class citizen and, you know, even is the primary primary is the primary focus of uh, of our media right now, then the 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 metric that you get measured by isn't you know like we made this movie and it you know cost us a hundred million or you know 200 million whatever to make and then worldwide ticket sales were you know 225 million that's you they don't worry about that anymore what the what the primary focus is with streaming services is we made you know we spent this much money but we had this much subscriber growth and this much subscriber retention. Those are the important metrics. And those are the metrics where Disney can kill, uh, you know, because again, they have, they have all of that content. And 
they have all these people who are locked into, you know, they're, they're offering all these deals all the time. So yeah, if, if that's what Disney's trying to do is trying to say, Hey, wall street, look at us like this. Yeah. That's, that's extremely smart on their part. Again, right. especially given the, the current market. So uh, I I'm all for it because what this means is maybe more uh, what Disney plus originals, which I think would be great. Yeah, that makes that makes total sense. Because yeah, they can say this film costs two hundred million, but we got a hundred million new subscribers over the last year at seven dollars a month, and that's you know meaningful. And uh, they know exactly who's subscribing. There's no guessing on ticket sales or you know attendance or whatever. So yeah, that that makes sense to me. So question for you. You and I are both signed up on the three years, right? Yep. When when it comes time for renewal, what's that number going to be? Because there's no way it's still going to be seven whatever it is right now. Oh, yeah, it will be. Seven bucks a month, 70 bucks a year, for sure. You, you aren't, dude, like, I don't, I'm just trying to think about, like, Hulu regularly going up. Right. Well, I don't know. I say that their their ad their ad service went down a while back and has since stayed consistent. And, and I know that you know their their live service is more what driven by the cost of carriage fees and stuff like that. But like, I feel like Netflix goes up with some regularity, right? I mean, it's that's it because, hasn't stayed the same. But that's because Netflix's only revenue stream is subscribers. Disney can afford to give Disney Plus away for free. Like, they don't have to charge anything for it. They have enough revenue, or had, when they had theatrical releases and stuff like that. There was enough revenue for them to just give this away as, like, a perk. Uh, And the, yeah, no, I, I highly, highly doubt that in the next five years they're gonna raise the price on Disney Plus because that is their biggest competition point is hey we are nearly half the price of netflix and we have every single disney property and all these great original series you know the mandalorian's really good and yeah come come spend 70 bucks a year instead of 150 bucks a year whatever netflix costs and you know have a have a good have a better experience because they have all this content, all this old content that you want and they're making good new content. I mean, that's fair, but I just as, and I don't know, I guess a lot of it is uncertainty about how long this is going to be the business model. But if this is the business model where streaming is the first class citizen, where streaming is uh, what ostensibly the primary focus like at some point streaming has to start pulling its own way. You know, it can no longer be just kind of like the, well, you know, we're also, we're also going to, we're also going to drag people into this. I think at some point streaming, you know, when you start, when you start questioning, where are we going to show growth? You know, yeah, subscribers is great, but if we also got an extra dollar from each of those subscribers, just look at what the number would be that we could get. It's only a dollar and everybody no, who's nobody's going to balk at a dollar or the number of people that are, will balk at a dollar will be far fewer than the amount of additional revenue we'll get by charging that extra dollar. So I, I mean, I, I sure hope that we're still paying the same amount and I guess maybe three years is a short enough time period. Um, 
where it will be the same. And yes, on an infinite time scale, anything is possible. So of course it is possible the, the price will go up, but I do anticipate a, a price increase at some point. I, I'll, I'll say at some point less than seven years. Yeah, I don't know because I think it's profitable right now. I think if you if you had a separate P&L just for Disney Plus, I think it's profitable. And I don't know that they're going to give up that advantage of being so cheap when they're already profitable uh, so quickly. Because if Netflix goes up another buck a month and is 14 bucks a month, then they're 50% the cost of Netflix. Plus you, you get you, you save 2 months, the cost of 2 months if you pay yearly. But you know what else is super profitable, or at least, well, not right now, but in in normal, you know, in normal times, is super profitable. Parks, you know, what goes up every year? Parks, because you know, it's the only thing that's better than being profitable is being more profitable. Right, so, but they're not half the price of Universal. No, I think they're, if they're they were, not. But, if they were half the price of Universal and profitable, they would stay half the price of Universal to be the park that was half the price of Universal. But if Universal goes up every year and you're half the price of them, you don't you don't suddenly have to be forty percent of the price of Universal. You could still be half the price of Universal and sound really good, and also go ahead and make a little bit more money. So, sure. I I don't I don't I guess what it, I guess part of that is I don't anticipate Netflix never going up in the next seven years either. So I, I just, I think it's going to happen at some point. The, the question is whether or not it happens before that three years. And I just, I kind of think that they, they had a lot of people initially sign up for that three year deal. And they know that those people are what number one, Disney fanatics, right? Or, or largely are Disney fanatics because those people were tuned in enough to know that that deal was happening when it happened. So I think those are your 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 core group who are most likely to stay with you um, and are going to be the people who are also the most accustomed to having just regular access to Disney Plus and therefore might be the most inconvenienced when suddenly they wouldn't have it anymore. So I but, but at the same time, they're also the ones who have watched most of the Disney Plus stuff and, at that point. And they're the ones that are the most price sensitive because they remember that it was going to be seventy dollars a year and seven bucks a month. And does do they matter enough for Disney to say, Well, we're not gonna raise the price during their three years or right after their three years because when they go to renew if they you know, if the deal that they got you know, is cheaper, you know, it was, it was cheaper to pay the, you know, equivalent to 50 bucks a year instead of 70 bucks a year. But people like you and me are going to remember when we go to renew, Hey, that wasn't $9 a month. That was $7 a month. You know, what the heck? And so are they going to want to make the core, the core people upset because they've raised the, the price that like we feel like, we were promised because we haven't ever paid the $7 a month. We all paid a lump sum up front. And I think mentally it feels like if that price went up, it would be like a raising of a, of a price that we never got. And I know that that doesn't make sense because we got even lower price, but I, I think being in the, in my 
dumb consumer lizard brain, it would be upsetting that I didn't get the good price. You know, I, I got, I paid up front for this number of years. And then when I got done, oh, oops, the price is 10 bucks a month now or, or nine bucks a month now, whatever it is. So I don't know. I would still pay it if it was 10 bucks a month, a hundred bucks a year, because I get way more value than that out of it. But I don't know. I think, I think mentally, if you jacked up the price right then, it would, it would be not not good whereas if they can leave it the same for you know another two or three years you get those those that core group who paid up front for the three years you know you you kind of make them feel like they've gotten the the good value that you announced initially yeah so right now it's it's seven seven a month and 70 a year i do wonder if so maybe maybe the way that they'll approach this is to attack the monthly subscriptions first because what that is kind of like what every you know there there are a lot of people myself included who will take advantage of you know some streaming services for a month right you you sign up for a month you binge on all the stuff that you've been hearing about and then you jump back off right so mm-hmm. maybe they go 750 a month and 70 dollars a year and then the yearly savings is even greater and the people who are going to sign up at seven, it what's 50 more cents to you. So I don't, I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting for you. If they offered you three more years for 150 more dollars, would you do it? Oh yeah. Yeah. Me too. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just, just go ahead and off send me that offer anytime Disney and I'll go ahead and sign on the dotted line because while, while right now, I know it would have been cheaper to, you know, if I had bought the entire series of Vampirina and then bought the entire series of Elena of Elena of Avalor, because that's pretty much what it, what it's being used for currently. <laughs> uh, the the majority of the time, you know, I, I do. Ugh, I I'd like to say that I get a lot of time to watch, but I don't watch TV anymore. Uh, I I anticipate that those viewing habits will change with time and and perhaps become a, a bit more diverse i sure hope it becomes a bit more diverse i you know what <laughs> elena of avalor great show no show is great the 14th time that you watch it through and we have watched that that the entire series through <laughs> multiple times at this point so i would uh, i would love to be able to run analytics on my internet connection and see just what percentage of my bandwidth goes to disney plus you know, you know what Disney needs to offer? Disney needs to offer a little a little box that's super, you know, DRM encrypted, what a, you know, you can't be whatever so that you can't take advantage of it, but just something that I just plug into my router. It's got like 2 terabytes on it or something so that when I stream something from Disney, it just buffers into that box and then that box just doesn't <laughs> delete it till it needs the space again because it would be great for our bandwidth because we'd use so little bandwidth if right. we could, if we didn't have to re-download or you know restream those those episodes over and over again. The people with kids box. Yes, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead, and uh, you can use that Disney gratis. I don't even care because I would be happy to to have. You know what? Maybe maybe give me fifty percent off on on one of those boxes, and we'll call it even. You know that's Netflix's model. If you want to, like I used to work for a university and we wanted to cut down on our Netflix bandwidth 
and Netflix will send you a server that you just hook up to your network and it will cache the most um, popular Netflix content to it so that you only have to download it one time and then it just serves out that content over your network. So any any kids in the dorms who were watching Orange is the New Black, which was very popular at the time or, or something like that, they would be getting it off the LAN. So it would be one, in really, really high quality because they weren't getting it over the internet. But two, it would um, relax our bandwidth because I think at the time we were doing like a terabyte a day to Netflix. And but Netflix wanted way too much access to the to the network, so we didn't we didn't end up doing it. But I thought that was an interesting model was to send basically a server that pays attention to what's the most popular content on Netflix and just caches it for you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And a a lot of the big media companies are doing that not only because, you know, it is beneficial to the to the to the to, you know, to the service. But it's also beneficial to the user, and that is that is beneficial to Netflix because, wow, my Netflix connection is so great. Mm-hmm. You know, when it, when I when I try to stream something off of uh, YouTube, yeah, YouTube it gets, and Hulu look like junk, but Netflix is solid all the right. time. Right, it's it's always crystal clear. So, yeah, and and the thing is, like a lot of those companies do offer that stuff for you know essentially what the last leg more yeah. or less. But I'm so I'm talking about just to the consumer because yeah, I've me. actually, I actually I actually have a coworker who had to upgrade their internet plan because <laughs> they were on a plan you know the uh, we are we are serviced by Suddenlink. This episode not brought to you by Suddenlink. If if there's an outage during this episode, that will be brought to you by Suddenlink because it happens all the time. Uh, but but we're serviced by Suddenlink here and some of the lower tier uh, or lower speed internet plans actually have data caps on them still and it wasn't an issue of of the speed not the speed was plenty sufficient for you know watching streaming stuff but you know one of their kids was on a on a tablet and constantly watching disney plus stuff and it's you know once disney plus came out they they were like hey i haven't been having a problem but suddenly i am i'm getting you know told by suddenly that i'm going over my data cap and i'm gonna have to start paying this and this and i'm like yep you're gonna have to you're gonna have to update so best of luck to you and that's that's what would be beneficial okay now that we've done nothing but tech stuff and we have <laughs> alienated our this is not a tech podcast man yeah maybe we should start one uh no no i that's the last thing we need okay uh so So, final even though even though i know we are running long i don't want to i don't want to leave this story i don't want to i don't want to leave this on because i thought it was really interesting um that you apparently visited a competing (gasps) theme park i did i went to SeaWorld yesterday and what was very interesting to me is now i don't if, if you haven't been to SeaWorld, san antonio uh, there are. Yeah, you, you're not. You're not speaking about SeaWorld Orlando or any of the I, other SeaWorlds, I right? I do not know about Orlando or San Diego. I only know about San Antonio. There are let's four roller coasters there, four or five, four four roller coasters and, and a few other attractions. And as I was running around as quickly as I could to do as many of these rides as I could, I realized that uh, as I was getting in line for the Texas Stingray, which is the brand new huge wooden roller coaster, I believe they say it's the tallest and longest wooden roller coaster in Texas or in the country. I don't remember which one, but it's 
it's um, the same tallest, same difference. Texas yeah, really. country, it's all the same. But I got in line, and the line didn't look very long. But I was looking for my customary um, standby wait time, and there was none. Now this is the the newest roller coaster at SeaWorld San Antonio, and I could not find a standby time. Like I could not find a sign that said what the standby time was. And I downloaded their, quote, app while I was waiting in line. And their app is just a wrapper to their website. And the website does not include wait times. And I didn't realize until just that moment how handy it is to have wait times available to you in an app for sure. But even on a sign in at the entrance to a ride. Now... The, the wait ended up only being about 10 minutes because uh, the park was relatively empty, which it should be. You know, they're running at limited capacity. And um, so the the wait time was not bad. And I, I basically got to walk on to everything there. But I, I, I texted you when I was in line. I was like, there's no wait times here at all. And I did, I, I will say, um, there were uh, on, one, on one roller coaster, Wave Breaker, there was a sign that said wait time zero to 30 minutes and it was it was paper you know so it was just something that they went out and stuck to the stuck to the sign but that one had a zero to 30 minute you know wait time and that was the longest one i waited for about 20 minutes to ride wave breaker but did it it say did it say theoretically (laughs) (laughs) sometimes no just Zero to 30, which is not a great, you know, zero to 30. Zero is great. 30 is getting to the point where it's like, eh, maybe well, I'll come honestly, back later. Honestly, don't you, don't you just say 30-minute wait yeah. at that point? I mean, right. that's that's what you should, but. But I, I had always taken for granted wait times being available. Like, I thought everybody did that. But, you know, SeaWorld doesn't. And I, I just thought that was that was interesting that, like, they they something that seems like it's essential to a theme park visit was not included at this theme park well and it's essential to a theme park visit because you're used to having it on a theme park visit right right so well not to be a bummer but the way that SeaWorld's uh, public relations are going they're going to basically be a park that has roller coasters in you know the next five or ten years so they really should probably get up to date on on uh, wait times and, and that kind of technology because they're going to have to rely a lot more on their attractions because their animal shows are are likely going to be going away soon yeah and i think that's a, that's another it's an interesting thing right because ultimately there was there was definitely a time where a wait time was not a standard like the way you knew what a wait time was, was you looked at the line and you said, well, that looks like a long line. I'm not going to go, you know, I, I'm thinking about like going and visiting Six Flags, you know, back in the day, you just, right. you looked at the line and that's a long line. I'm not going to go wait in that line. That's a short line. I'll go wait in that. Like, that's how you knew what your wait times were. But as you said, that is definitely not the case anymore. And it's just, it's funny, weird, interesting to me that you know to you that was that's now a like just standard thing right it's not a it's not a special 
thing. You don't go, well, I don't know if they're going to have wait times or not. And by the world, by the way, real time follow up, Orlando and San Diego both have wait times available in their uh, official park app, according to SeaWorld.com. Nice. So congratulations on hitting the only SeaWorld park, I guess, that that doesn't have wait times available. Um, maybe maybe that means that it is coming to San Diego. But yeah, it's just it's such a and, and I don't I have not researched where wait times started at. So, you know, it it could very possibly be not a Disney original thing but whoever came up with the idea of let's tell let's give people reasonable expectations before they get in line for this thing that was a brilliant plan and definitely yes at this point everybody you know like i i feel like i should be able to show up at my county fair and have a wait time you know some some carney should be able to tell me yep that one's going to be about 10 minutes yeah and one more thing um i noticed about about sea world san antonio is they do have uh, a fast pass equivalent that's you know an extra charge it's like fast queue or, or something i don't remember what it's called quick queue. but yeah quick queue um so at disney you know the fast pass line is kind of its own little queue it's definitely shorter than the real queue but it is like its own kind of queue and you in you don't always just get to walk directly on there's there's oftentimes a, a much shorter, obviously, wait in the fast pass queue, but but a wait nonetheless. At SeaWorld San Antonio, the quick queue line is like you walk d- straight onto the the attraction. Like there is no other winding queue or whatever. It is like a straight line, a beeline to the attraction. There's no winding. There's no nothing. Like everybody else has to go through all the switchbacks and everything. Quick queue just goes, you're in there. Like you're, bam, right there. And I was just amazed like the the standby queue for stingray for example when you walk through the you know quote turnstile there's not turnstiles but when you walk under the sign the standby queue does this like winding multiple s curve thing you know kind of switchbacks built into the path and then you walk to where the actual like switchbacks with the chains between you would start Mm -hmm. and the quick queue line is same exact um same location you know you're just walking on the right side of the path instead of the left side it goes it goes in turns a corner around a fence and boom you're in line like it was the difference between one minute of walking and one or or maybe maybe 10 seconds of walking to get to the same place and there was no line for it but i took the the uh standby queue because I didn't have the quick queue and I didn't I didn't realize they weren't actually checking for that because it was there was no one there. But I took the standby queue and it took me about a minute to get to where I was going. Whereas it had had I just gotten in the quick queue line, it would have taken me five or ten seconds to walk there. So it is not equivalent to fast pass. It is definitely I would say if you are if you're at uh, at Sea World San Antonio and there is any sort of lines, I don't. I, I I would definitely say that Quick Queue, if you're trying to do their um, their roller coasters and stuff, Quick Queue is worth it because man, what a what a difference it made. So so first of all, I congratulate SeaWorld and their truth in advertising. They say Quick Queue. It is sounds like it is definitely a Quick Queue, um, but at the same time, I don't applaud them 
in so I you know I am on their website and I was looking because I was like well what is what is this quick queue cost right and it says quick queue seasonal prices starting at nine ninety nine each and I'm like holy cow how did you not go and get quick queue when it's nine ninety nine I have clicked through multiple months on their little uh, their little seasonal pricing here and you know I don't get me wrong Disney's doing this whole peak pricing you know everybody does peak right. pricing now there's one weekend in the dead of winter where quick queue costs 9.99 okay <laughs> because i have yet to find that 9.99 week and i see anywhere from 15 dollars, very few and far between all the way up to 55 dollars for you know for like holiday weekends and yeah that is that is significantly different than 9.99 sea yeah. world so Let's let's you know what if you can say zero to thirty minutes on a wait time you can say nine ninety nine to fifty four ninety nine on a uh, on a on a pricing uh, deal here so so I guess we are not going to become missing the the Sea World what what would that be I missing. can't say Shamu anymore no there no, is no, no Shamu anymore we did no, learn I didn't, that I didn't I didn't say that um. Missing the spray. How about that? Yeah. No, we're definitely not going to become that that podcast. There's just not that much to miss <laughs> at SeaWorld San Antonio. Man. Okay. So we're done dunking on SeaWorld and wait times are good. Yeah. I think that'll do it for this episode. You can follow us on Twitter at MTM Podcast. You can like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash MTM Podcast. And you can visit us on the web at MissingTheMouse.co. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. And until then, have a magical day. Bye.